0: Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. New Beginnings Part 7 this morning. And uh, you might wonder why we're reading so much Bible. It's unusual the way we're approaching it. But I want to remind you that when Paul wrote to Timothy as a young pastor and you can write this down somewhere because it's a very important verse of Scripture. 1 Timothy 4 and verse 13, he says this, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. Don't read an odd verse and then cook up a whole lot of stuff out of it so that the people start screaming and are cheering. That can happen now and again, but mostly you need to devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. And we've been looking at Genesis because it's vital to the foundation of our faith. Jesus endorsed Genesis, quoted from Genesis, eight times in the New Testament, we even read about Noah, and, uh, you know, we need to grow in our faith as we study the Old Testament, not just the New. And the thing I find amazing is that some people, the more they read the Bible, the less they believe. Other people, the more they read the Bible, the stronger their faith goes. You can choose who you're going to be. And we're studying this because there's so many Christians who doubt the account of creation in the Bible. It's almost like a fable to them, but according to Scripture and according to Jesus, Genesis is a fact, and it's a record of history. Uh, I'm quite concerned because in 2019, which is not so long ago, there's an organization called the Pew Research Center, and they did a survey. They went out and just asked people in the street, you know, do you believe in creation or evolution? Well, this is in the United States. Eight out of ten adults, 81 percent, said that humans have evolved over time. That's the the opinion on the street. But wait, they then went to evangelical Protestants, and four out of ten say humans have always existed in their present form. So only 38% of Christians believe that God created humans. Everyone else and and society in general believes that we evolved. But I love what this author said. Eon Koffler, he's written a number of children's books, The Time Paradoxes, he's most well-known, and uh, he's a teacher, school teacher, and uh, he said this, he said, the theory of evolution has more holes in it than a damn made out of Swiss cheese. I love that, because it's true, and uh, you need to take time to study these things and not just swallow wholeheartedly what you're being fed over the social media and on Google and so on. Milton Bill, the U.S. comedian from some time back, he said this, I love it, if evolution really works, how come mothers only have two hands? Surely by now I should have had six, eh? (laughs) You see, this book is our foundation. And before I get to read it today, we're going to do chapter 10 and chapter 11. But before I read it, I want to make a number of comments here because we need to be reminded, if this is your first time back in church, maybe you've skipped a few weeks, maybe you're here as a visitor, This book is our foundation. In fact, the first 11 chapters, and we're going to be dealing with 12, the first 11 deal with the origins of mankind, the origins of the planet, the origins of marriage, the origins of gender, the origins of purpose, the origins of work, the origins of sin, the origins of salvation. The origins of murder, the origins of the flood, the origins of God's judgment, the origins of agriculture, law, the origin of nations, the origin of truth and character, the origins of God, and the origins of languages. And I can go on. How many of you know this is important for us to read? And it's not fables. It's a factual and detailed account leading up to the Messiah coming. That's why it's so important. Because he didn't just appear... This random guy, like an alien, there he was. No, he came from a long line. When man fell in Genesis, God planned that the Messiah would come. So it's important that we understand all these things. And Now, we've been looking at the flood, and after the flood, God told man to multiply. He told him to be fruitful and increase, and the animals came out of the ark, and they increased. And some of the animals have become extinct. The dinosaurs, we believe, became extinct, maybe because of the protein plants. We don't know for sure. But the protein plants were reduced on the planet. That's why God told man, you can now kill and eat animals to supplement his diet. And uh, maybe those big, big meat eaters, there wasn't enough food for them and they died out. But what's very interesting is you can go and look up and I don't have time to bring this all to you. But you can go and look up and see that dinosaurs and man existed at the same time because there are numerous cave paintings. I mean, you go on the internet, you'll see numerous cave paintings of dinosaurs. How come they painted dinosaurs if they didn't know what dinosaurs were? And dinosaurs lived 420 million years ago, or if you think it's 550 million years ago. We throw out millions of years like it's currency. That's the only explanation for evolution, you see. But here it's clear, the Bible tells us that every animal was in the ark. And you can see the evidence for it. In fact, interesting thing, St. George in a church in, uh, in Spain is depicted as slaying a dragon. And so dragons is something you see in Chinese, uh, we call it mythology, but we believe there was such a thing like a dragon that had a hot kind of breath, maybe not fire, But uh, these animals, and here's St. George, in in the 1100s, this is depicted. They only started talking about dinosaurs in 1819, I think it was. Uh, Yeah, and um, there's also brass carving. Uh, No, no, there's there's a dinosaur on a temple in Cambodia, which was in the 1100s. They believe it was a Stegosaurus, and it's on the door of this temple carved into the wood. And uh, they should bring the picture up, but they're not. Uh, No, that's not it. That's a brass carving of a dinosaur adorning a tomb of an English bishop in the Middle Ages, 300 years before they even talked about what a dinosaur was. So there's a lot of evidence. I'm just giving you a glimpse of it today. Also, they have found uh, dinosaur footprints in the rock with, with human footprints at the same time. In Texas, numerous places in Texas, and uh, in the Clayton Lake State Park in New Mexico, they have found thousands of human Footprints across 80,000 acres of the park. One path was made by someone walking through a line for a mile and a half. Another one shows a baby being set down. Other tracks were made by children. Films were made about this. And dinosaur footprints and, and uh, human footprints were found at the same time. Unfortunately, when they uncovered a lot of them, a lot of it has been eroded now. But movies were made way back in 1961 on this stuff. I'm just telling you, by the way, because you never hear this. How many of you, you don't hear this stuff? Hmm? You only hear one narrative. And so you start to feel, this is what we feel as Christians. If we believe this stuff, we're unscientific. No, we're called believers. We are called believers. And we've got to be careful that we don't give way to atheistic and godly teaching. But we hold fast to the truth. Look what it says here in Proverbs 25. I love this. Like a maddied spring or a polluted well are the righteous who give way to the wicked. Don't muddy the truth. Keep it clear. That's why I'm teaching this. Keep it clear, even if people don't like it. In fact, the Lord wrote to his shepherds in the book of Ezekiel, the shepherds of Israel. uh, and, And when I talk about shepherds, I'm not talking about people who look after sheep. I'm talking about shepherds of people, the spiritual shepherds. And he says this in Ezekiel 34. Isn't this interesting? Is it not enough for you to drink clear water? Must you also muddy the rest with your feet? must my flock feed on what you have trampled and drunk what you have muddied with your feet? See, we mustn't muddy the truth. Pastors and leaders need to give clear water to God's sheep, and we mustn't give way to the wicked because that muddies the waters of truth, and we need to stay true to Scripture. People need clarity. We keep blaming our environment, and we keep blaming politics, and we keep blaming the past for everything. We need to take responsibility and realize that sin is the problem, not politics, not our environment. Let me remind you, if you haven't heard me say this, it just took two generations before murder was committed. There was no poverty, and there was no capitalism. Murder's in the heart of people. And after the flood, sin was still there, and so we need to take responsibility Man keeps blaming his parents. He blames the church. He blames the economy. He blames the government. But I love what Albert Schweitzer said, the theologian and humanitarian. He said, Man must cease attributing his problems to his environment and learn again to exercise his will and his personal responsibility in the realm of faith and morals. Now, having said that, let me go to chapter 10. You've got your book open, it's called The Table of Nations. And when you read all these strange names, you think, what is this about? Because there's, not, there's almost like one or two that I can use for my baby. <laughs> so what's the point of all this detail? Well, we're going to read it, and I'm going to unpack it this morning. And I want you to realize that Noah and his sons are not just mentioned in the book of Genesis. They're mentioned in several books of the Bible. Numbers, Joshua, 1 Chronicles, Isaiah, Ezekiel and eight times in the New Testament. How many of you know that tells you this is not just some obscure fable, but something repeated throughout Scripture? Now, let's pick up in Genesis 10 and verse 1, and we're going to read a chunk, and I'll break it as we break the sections up. This is the account of Shem, Ham, and Japheth, Noah's sons, who themselves had sons after the flood. The sons of Japheth. Now, you'll see the order is reversed. You know, it normally says Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Shem is the Jews. Ham is the, uh, 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 the, the son who saw Noah uncovered, and Japheth is the Gentiles. So Shem, Ham, Japheth. Here it's reversed. Why is it reversed? Because Shem is mentioned last in the text, because Shem's going to lead into the line of the Lord Jesus, starting with Abraham. So the writer is preparing you for the next chapters that you'll read another time when we come back again. Are you with me? So now, these are the sons of Japheth. You want to write in the margin, these are all the European nations. Not whites, Europe. Okay, European nations. Gomer, Magog, Madai, Javan. By the way, you can write in the margin, Javan is the Greeks. Jenny, you want to know where you come from? Here it is. Tubal, Mishek. The word Mishek is from where we get the word Moscow. These are the Russians. And Tyrus. See, many of you didn't know there was treasure in here. The sons of Gomer, that's the British the British Isles, so you can write in brackets, UK, Ashkenaz, that's the Germans, Riphath and Togemon, the sons of Jabin, Elisha, Tarshish, the Kittites, you write in brackets, the Kittites are the Spanish, and the Rhodonites, from these the maritime people spread out into their territories by their clans within their nations, each with its own language, isn't that interesting? So there you can see how they spread across the world and they, did, they sailed and they built boats and so on. Now we come to the sons of Ham, Cush. The Cushites, Moses married a Cushite, they were the Ethiopians. And Egypt, which you know is African, put, are the Libyans. Then, and Canaan, the sons of Cush, Seba, Havilah, Sabta, Ramah, and Sabtika, those are African nations that came from Ham the sons of Rama, Sheba, and Dedan. Cush was the father of Nimrod, who became a mighty warrior on the earth. And we know African chiefs were mighty warriors. Here we see Nimrod emerging. And you can read about Nimrod, if you're making notes, 1 Chronicles chapter 1 and verse 10, and in the book of Micah, I think it's chapter 5. And it goes on to say, as we pick up the next section, he was a mighty hunter before the Lord. That is why it is said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. When you read before the Lord, you can almost think that God condoned him. But he appeared and almost was like like thundered in God's face. Look what I can do. And he became the hunter of men, not a hunter of animals, And he was the first warlord to be mentioned. He's also the founder of the Babylonians, or what we call the Sumerians. And the oldest civilization in the world are the Sumerians. Nimrod was the founder of that civilization and moved into Mesopotamia. I don't have time to explain all that to you, but just giving you a bit of background, okay? And basically his name, Nimrod, means this. Don't name your child Nimrod. It means rebel. Unless you want trouble in your house. It's a nice sounding name. It's more like a name for a biker than it is for a Christian child. Verse 10. The first centers of his kingdom were Babylon. Here it explains it Urak, Akkad, Kalna, and china From that land he went to Assyria, where he built Nineveh, Rehoboth, uh Kala, and Rezin. Strange names there, which is between Nineveh and Kala, which is the great city. Nineveh was a great city during the time of Jonah, 120,000 inhabitants. Uh, Egypt was the father of the Luddites, Anamites, you'll notice all the ites there, that just means people of, uh, Anamites, Leabites, Nephites, Pathrusites, Kashluhites, from whom the Philistines came, and Kaptorites, jeez, my word, and all the other parasites, Canaan was the father of Sidon, the first of all the Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites, Girgashites, Hevites, Archites, Sinites, Odovites, Zemorites, Hathites. And the uptights. <laughs> never read scripture without gleaning some of the value in it. And I'm making light of it today because I want you to really read your Bible and don't just gloss over because there's valuable information. How many of you in the room today would, would admit that you didn't know that these nations were represented in there? See, it's because we've never been taught. We get taught stuff, then we just move on. And then they tell you it's fables and you go, yeah, I suppose it is. No, it's not. It's telling you the origins of all the nations in the world. And we mustn't forget, if you're making notes this morning, Acts chapter 17, I think it's verse 26 or 36, it says this, Paul speaking, he says, from one, God created all the nations who went out into the whole earth. So even Paul the Apostle, in he's preaching to the Greeks, told him that. You see, this, this stuff is embedded in what we believe, and the modern church wants to throw it out. I believe the reason we're throwing it out is because we don't get enough solid Bible teaching, and we only get topical Bible teaching. And we get stirred in our spirits, but we don't get educated. And we need to be educated believers. Can you say amen? Now we read on here, it says, Later the Canaanites' clan scattered, and the borders of Canaan reached from Sidon towards Gerar as far as Gaza, and then towards Sodom and Gomorrah, Admah and Zebohim as far as Lasher. These are the sons of Ham by their clans and languages in their territories and nations. Sons were also born to Shem, whose older brother was Japheth. Shem was the ancestor of all the sons of Eber. Now we come to the sons of Shem, which, in, if you're making notes, this is where Asia comes from. And Elam, Asher, Asher is the Assyrian nation, Arphaxad, Lud, and Aram, the sons of Aram. Uz, how many of you know Uz? That's where Job came from. Do you remember that? And then Hull, Githa, Meshech. Arphaxad was the father of Shelah, and Shelah was the father of Eber. Two sons were born to Eber, one's name was Peleg. Now watch this because in his time the earth was divided. Why suddenly does it say that? Well, it doesn't mean the earth was divided, like cutting off. It's not about the planets, it's about the peoples. It's 106, if you're making notes, 106 years after the flood, that's when God scattered them at the Tower of Babel and divided up the peoples of the nations. Prior to that, they were all one nation, but God told them to scatter and they didn't listen. So 106 years after the flood, he scattered them at the Tower of Babel, are you with me? That's why it mentions it in chapter 10. We'll get to the Tower of Babel in chapter 11. His brother's name, Joktan. Joktan was the father of Elmodad, Shilep, Hazememeth, Zedad, Hazar, Hazar, Shakrabi, Rababah, <laughs> and you can continue to speak in tongues. All these were the sons of Joktan. <laughs> it gets very hard to read this. The region where they lived stretched from Mesha towards Sefa in the eastern hill country, These are the sons of Shem, this is where the Jews come from, by their clans and languages in their territories and nations. These are the clans of Noah's sons, according to their line of descent within their nations. Watch this, from these nations, sorry, from these, from these the nations spread out over the earth after the flood. And so we now are being led towards the Tower of Babel, and then to Abraham, we would follow the line of Shem, which would take us to Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a story of the nations. It's an exact record of history and this is where all nations originate from and DNA proves, this is, this is science, we're not talking about some fable here, DNA proves that we all come from Adam and Eve and most people can trace their ancestry back to Noah and his family. In fact, there's a researcher and biologist by the name of Nathaniel Jensen. And he has a PhD in cell and developmental biology from Harvard. And he's written a book. encourage you to read these books because many of them I have studied over the years. It's called Traced, Human DNA's Big Surprise. And he said this, we can find a very clear generation by generation echo of Genesis 10 and of Noah at the base of this tree. So that any male who gets a Y chromosome test Any family that has a male relative who gets a Y chromosome test, I can trace their ancestry back to specific sons of Noah. What we discovered was a generation by generation family tree for global humanity, and this is based on DNA. Now, let me tell you, there are numerous books written on this. I don't have the time in the service, but I'm just wanting you to know there's a whole other side to the story. As you heard last week when we talked about environmentalism, there's a whole other side to the story, and it has its roots in the Bible. Anytime the story doesn't have its roots in the Bible, question it. Don't be cynical, but always be skeptical. Are you with me? And there are numerous books that you can strengthen your faith. Now, next, we're going to come to the Tower of Babel. Are you ready? In fact, we call it, how many of you call it Babel? It's actually Babel. That's why you mustn't babble at home. (laughs) It's actually Babel, but we call it Babel. I grew up hearing Babel. Most pastors who preached it say Babel. And so if I say Babel and Babel, alternatively, forgive me, because it's years of preaching. But um, here we see where languages were formed. If you're making notes, 2242 BC is when the Tower of Babel took place, exact historical date. And it was 106 years after the flood when we read that in chapter 10. And God destroyed sinners, but sin was still in man. Are you with me? And that sin manifested itself today, and uh, and here's a culture that emerges where man seeks to be God. He no longer just listens to the devil; he now seeks to replace God with himself because he's become quite intelligent, and he thinks his technology is superior. So that's why he turns away from God and relies on himself. And I believe it's an exact parallel of today's world. Are you ready with me? Genesis chapter eleven. And this is going quite quickly. You might even have time to go home for lunch. <laughs> now, the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. That's a place called Babylon. 80 kilometers, if you're making notes, 80 kilometers south of Baghdad in Iraq. These are exact places. They said to each other, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. This is the first use of kilns. They use brick instead of stone, and tar for mortar. This is like, they've got a vision here, and it's, and this is a technological breakthrough, if you like. For the first time, they're baking bricks. They don't have to cut stone, and they can use clay and sand, and they've got a means of gluing it together, and they're now going to build something, and they said, man, we are technologically superior. Let's make a name for ourselves. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower, the Hebrew word migdal there is like a pyramidical structure. It's not like the Leaning Tower of Pisa. We've often used those interesting drawings that we get on the internet. But actually, it's, a, it's, it's, it's what's called a ziggurat. When you get them all over the world today, it's like a tiered thing. And we'll look at it in a moment. And it says, that reaches to the heavens. In other words, literally tall, like seven stories high and uh, so that we may make a name for ourselves interesting thing the word there, make the phrase make a name is in the hebrew sheen which is like the opposite of shem god wanted to work through shem and bring about the semites the jews but they said no we'll we'll make a name for ourselves we're not interested in your plan and the way you're going to deal with people and the laws you're going to give we're going to make a name for ourselves after all we're very technologically superior does that ring a bell And the Bible says here that uh, otherwise, notice this, otherwise we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. So they wanted fame, they wanted respect, they wanted significance. Uh, But the Lord came down. I love this. I want you to notice something here. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. And the Lord said, who did he speak to? I think maybe the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit had a conversation. If as one people speaking the same language... They have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Now, just pause for a moment. Do you know that this is a truth? That if you have one language and one vision and commitment, like the church, nothing becomes impossible. As long as it's in the will of God. But in our society today, people have spoken one language, one mind, one view, one economic system, and they have built a name for themselves. Towers, when you look at all the cities, what have we got? We've got skyscrapers. That are monuments in honor of science and technology and ourselves. Those buildings don't serve God. You don't see the name of the Lord on them. Are you with me? And so it's not much different to what you're seeing right now. And I'm not against, I'm not against progress and, and against business and against capitalism. Not, not, it's that sense where I don't need God because look how good we are. And we can communicate today on cell phones like never before, and we can connect. But the Lord says here come let us go down, but you'll notice in verse 5, it already says that God came down, so here's the thing, God comes down, then the Trinity goes back to heaven, are you with me, and they talk, can you see that in the text, if you've got a book, you'll see there, and then it says he came down again, that's not a mistake, here's the thing, never think that when you're doing something, and you don't get judged immediately, that God's got, you've got God's approval, don't be mistaken, God's just patient, God's just patient, and you can go far with certain things, but eventually, if it's against God's will, it will crumble. And so the scripture says, God came down, then they talked, then it says, let us go down. Second time, verse 7, and confuse their language so that they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them. Notice that word, scattered. They were afraid of being scattered, and now he scattered them from there over the whole earth, and they stopped building the city. They didn't finish. That is why it was called Babel, Babel, because from there, the Lord confused the language of the whole world. By the way, if you're making notes right in the margin, that's where the word Babylon comes from. It's not Babylon, it's Babylon. Because confusion led for them to be dispersed, and from there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. Do you know that scattering was a, was a, um, was a punishment for disobedience? God scattered them because originally when they came out of the ark, he told them to spread out and fill the earth and to multiply. But they said, no, we want to stay in one place and make a name for ourselves. God says, no, I don't want you to make a name for yourself. I want you to make a name for me and spread me throughout the earth. And here's an interesting thing. This story has almost an exact parallel in the book of Acts. When Jesus... Uh, told the the disciples in Acts chapter 1, you shall receive power and the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. But the Bible tells us in the book of Acts that they all stayed in one place and they spoke in tongues, not babbling, they spoke and everyone understood. It was exact reversal. But guess what happened? In order for them to be scattered like God told them, persecution arose in the early church. And uh, I want to read it to you because it's so important that we understand here uh, how this worked. God caused persecution, and the persecution caused them to preach the gospel to every nation. In fact, Acts chapter 11 says this now, those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, Antioch, spreading the word among the Jews. So God intended them to be spread, and if they didn't listen, he would scatter them. In fact, scattering was a judgment. I want to bring your attention to Leviticus, where the Lord said, if you don't listen to me, I'm going to scatter you. Unless you spread out by yourself, I will scatter you. I'll break you up. Leviticus 26 and verse 33. Are you all, are you all following this? I will scatter you among the nations, and I will draw out my sword and pursue you. Your land will be laid waste, and your cities will lie in ruins. So God did not want them to continue to build because he had given them an instruction, but instead their technology technology had advanced, their thinking and their working together developed, and they decided that they would have an alternative form. And Babylon today is known as the alternative to the kingdom of God. You read the book of Revelation, the Babylonian system is the system of trade and thinking and living that is different to the kingdom God of God the Tyndale Bible commentary says this just about the tower because I'm sure you're interested in that the tower of Babel may have been an early type of Babylonian ziggurat these pyramid-like towers served as shrines for mountain dwelling deities the story of Babel shows how people banded together in an effort to block God's plan for mankind to fill the earth man it's a it's a scary thing to think that God actually came down and scattered them when they were just kind of making a living. But that's not what they were doing. They were setting up an alternative religion. And those ziggurats, you can see them all over the Mesopotamian area. The Sumerians put them up, and they were places where they worshipped the sky and worshipped deities. Warren Wearsby, in his Bible commentary, says this, and and I'm nearly done here. The name Babel comes from the Hebrew word, which means gate of God. It sounds like the word balal, which means confusion. The description of God's action here explains the origin of the languages of mankind. It has often been pointed out that Pentecost was a reversal of Babel. There was a true spiritual unity among God's people. They spoke with other tongues, but were understood, and their work glorified God, not men. So very interesting here to see where all the Peoples of the world come from all the languages of the world. They say currently there are 6,900 languages in the world, but if you put them in groups, there's only 94 language families, and they reckon they can trace them back to Noah and his sons and the exact dates, and you can see the origins of nations. If you look up these names, you'll find out that they all refer to the modern-day names of, you know, Spain and Germany and Italy and, and Europe and so on, and you can see where nations come from, And you can see Nimrod was a warrior. And if you look at African nations, tribal chiefs, and so on, there's a very clear elucidation of how they formed. Here's the interesting the discovery of DNA has proved that there are many different peoples, but there is only one race called the human race. So, you see, can I just remind you? Very important to remind you. If you believe in evolution, you really are endorsing racism. Because evolution says that Africans are a lowest species of humans. That's what Hitler taught, that the white, the white Aryan with the blond hair was the superior one. We do not believe that. We believe that God brought the Chinese and all the different nations out of one peoples and any DNA tests of the white chromosome always lead back to them. And so believing the Bible is being truly non-racist. Now, having said that, let me just say this, there is a difference between cultures. Massive difference between cultures. Don't ignore that. You're trying to, I, 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 don't, I, don't see, I don't see the difference. You're blind. There's a massive difference between where people live. Go to Japan and everybody, oh, oh, hello, hello. We don't do that here. It's a difference. They've got a very high respect culture. Maybe we need some of that here. Get to a traffic light and it's out. Oh, oh no, you, you first. No, no, not me. You first. Some, are cult- some cultures have got valuable traits. Others have got things that are like, hmm. Are you with me? Let's not make it a racist issue. Let's make it a culture issue. We'll learn to better manage ourselves and build a loving society. Here are the origins of the world. Now, before I close this morning, and I'm nearly done, I've got nine minutes. Yes! (laughs) How many of you enjoyed that simple exposition? How does this relate to us today? See, right back in the book of Acts, the Lord told them to go out and preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. You saw a picture of the land today. Isn't it amazing that today's the day we announce it? God wants us to spread out and preach the gospel, listen, and not be intimidated that we're invading people's privacy. Religion is not something you keep to yourself. You proclaim the gospel because it's the means of salvation, and God is still looking for a people. He has the world, but He wants a people from the world that He can call His own who are sons and daughters of Jesus Christ, His. Only son. And we need to preach and proclaim the gospel and reach the lost and see conversions. People need to be born again, and that's the job of the church. I'm gonna say it this morning because I think it's important. We do not believe in going into an area where there are numerous churches and running information meetings and then calling it we're planting a church. No, we're just taking people from what's established into our into our established thing, using them in the worship team and everything. That's not planting a church. That's moving fish from one aquarium to another. If we go somewhere, we build a building where there's nothing, we start from scratch, we use our own people like we did in Centurion, like we've done in Kyle we've not harmed any churches, we continue to reach the lost. That's the mandate on the church. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message.